0: Amen. I really don't have the Bible memorized. Um, <laughs> close, but... You know, changes are hard. Um, I often say a cliche, and you've probably heard it and said it too, that the one thing about life that never changes is it's always changing. And uh, there's changes coming to our life, to the Earwood family, to Cornerstone Church. And that's okay. That's, that's new opportunities and, and, and new adventures. Uh, 1987 was a significant year of change for Dawn and I. 34 years ago, I graduated from seminary in May. Our first child, daughter, was born in July. And in the fall, we boarded a plane in Chicago and landed at Anchorage, Alaska to begin pastoring our very first church. Our daughter was a few months old at that time, and as we descended into Anchorage, she threw up all over Dawn. And so we barely had time to clean up and were able to meet our future church people, the people that would have us as their pastor, smelling like puke. I think that was a a, a prophetic thing, I'm not sure. Um, And then there was a snowstorm, and it took us forever to get to the home where we were staying. Uh, A a 40-minute trip took a couple hours, and we smelled like puke the whole way. And it was an interesting beginning to a a lifetime of ministry and serving Jesus in this role as pastor. We were new to this pastor thing, certainly naive, uh, but we were excited. Um, I remember my first day sitting in my office, and, and we were We were pastoring a church north of Anchorage and literally from my window in my office, I could see Mount McKinley on a clear day. Tallest mountain in North America, 150 miles away. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. And I I, I sat at my desk and I remember this so distinctly, sitting at my desk and thinking, this is really cool, but what do I do now? And this morning, as I am preaching my last sermon as a full-time pastor, um, and retiring from this role Not from kingdom work But from the role of full-time pastor I ask myself the same thing This is really cool But what do we do now? And I think that's just uh, it's, it's, it's life It's the adventure It's the journey It's, the tra- it's traveling um, If you're visiting our church today If you're brand new to Cornerstone I'm sorry This is a weird Sunday for you to be here um, But uh, it, it, we're real. We're a family, and, and this is just real. Uh, Todd asked me to preach today, and it seems fitting to go out like this in the pulpit. I hope I don't die in the pulpit. I've often imagined that. Uh, that would be a really... Uh, uh, yeah, let's not do that. Um, I'm not going to continue our study in First Peter that we've been in for the last several weeks. I'm not going to push that forward. But what I want to do is just just share some reflections from a lifetime of following Jesus, from a lifetime of serving Him um, and I just want to share some thoughts from, from that, from our lives. Uh, we titled this sermon, Continuing or Continued Obedience in the Same Direction. Uh, several years ago, Eugene Peterson uh, wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And I like that. I've used that phrase many times in talking to people, of A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And so Billy and I talked it through, and it's like we're just continuing this process of obeying in the same direction. Um, We live in such an instant gratification kind of culture, Uh, but following Jesus is not a sprint. It's not a short-term thing. It's a lifetime thing. It's a marathon, and we just keep going. We keep obeying, and we keep serving, and we keep looking. We keep continuing in that same direction. And that direction will have twists and turns, but it's always fixed and focused on Jesus. Following Jesus is pointing your life toward him and then keep going that direction until you die. We're not dying, in spite of what I said earlier. Uh, We're retiring. We're shifting gears. We're changing the pace of life. And so what I want to do this morning is just talk a little bit about a continued obedience in the same direction. Now we've been learning from 1 Peter that we are elect exiles. We are chosen by God to follow him, to be his children, but we're this world is not our home. We're exiles here. We're strangers. So so we don't live in this world like we belong here. We live here as exiles and we we live as citizens of the kingdom and citizens of heaven. And um, we keep going that way. And as we as we look at ourselves as exiles in this world, what I want to do this morning is just share a couple of guiding truths that we have learned that keep us going in one direction. And believe me, I could stand up here for hours and hours and talk about things we've learned. But, but I think these, these few things I want to share rise to the top of how we have been shaped. And the first one is, is this. Fix your eyes on Jesus alone and give up everything for him. Give up everything for Jesus, nothing else matters. If you remember Todd's sermon last week, he asked why would we ever choose the secondary things of this world, the unsatisfactory things, when we could have what Peter talks about in in chapter two and verse nine. Peter says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's who we are. So we can give up anything and everything that this world has to offer because it's nothing compared to what Jesus has to offer. But it does mean we have to give up things. It does mean that so much of what we naturally cling to, we we will have to give up. In In Luke 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking to us as his church, and he says in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother or father, maybe a better way to say it is does not give up his mother or father, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person can't be my disciple. If you don't give up everything you have, you can't be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Following Jesus means giving up everything we have. We have spent the last couple months going through everything we own and packing it up. Every drawer, every closet, every little thing in the back corner. We have thrown away more stuff, I'm embarrassed to say. Uh, The the landfill is twice as big as it used to be because of us. We have single-handedly kept second story thrift shop in inventory. Um, Sandy would say, oh, here comes Chris for his daily visit. Um, We have carefully and laboriously packed up our pods, so that we can have our stuff in Wisconsin. But you know, we'll not take a single thing with us when we die. Not one of those things in that, those pods lasts forever. The only thing that lasts forever are, are God's word and people. And so we have given our lives investing in those two things, God's word and people. And we encourage you to do the same. Uh, Jim Elliot, one of the missionaries who was murdered in 1956 in the jungles of Ecuador famously said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's not foolish to give up this stuff that we can't keep anyway in order to gain what we can never lose. Eternal life and treasures in heaven. It's almost embarrassing how much of this world's stuff we have. Believe me, we've gone through all of it. One morning, Don Don got up and said, is this nightmare still going on? (laughs) Really, there's more? There's nothing wrong with stuff. You need stuff to live, I get it. But we had to ask ourselves, how attached to it are we? So we thought about what if, what if our pods that contain everything we own, what if they're caught in a fiery crash? I don't know if they're trucked or railroaded across the country, but there's a crash and all of that stuff burns up. You know, it wasn't a devastating thought. It almost sounded good. <laughs> it sounded kind of freeing. Of course, we'd lose the photo albums and all the cute little pictures that our kids drew for us when they were, little. you know, we, we'd lose that stuff and that's precious, it's just stuff. It doesn't last. It's gonna burn someday. Our stuff should not define us. I mean, I mean, it it shouldn't define us in this in this process of packing and purging. And uh, I, I have rafters in my garage, and I put plywood up there so I could store stuff up there. And there's some back corners of that that haven't been touched since we moved in ten years ago. And out in one of those corners was a was a, uh, a backpack and a sleeping bag that I used in my teens, in my 20s. And I think I was 15 when I bought that backpack. I grew up in upstate New York, bought it there, moved it to Alaska, back to East, back, you know, I've moved it with me everywhere I've gone. And I, and I realized that, that I kept that backpack, which I haven't used in decades and I never will, But I kept it as an indicator of a false identity. In some distorted way, I wanted to identify as a backpacker or something that was what I did when I was, you know, this is, I mean, 50 years ago. And I realized that I kept those things because of a false identity. My identity is in Jesus, not in a backpack. And yes, I did get rid of it this time. It's not making the move. Uh, If you must know, Billy took my backpack. (laughs) And when he said he wanted it, it literally brought tears to my eyes that it was going to a good home. God has asked us to give up a lot of things over the years. And I'm sure he has in your walk with Jesus too. Things that potentially could have gotten in the way of focusing on Jesus alone. He's asked us to give up things. I remember uh, an early lesson long before we were married. Uh, I was in college, and God just impressed upon my heart to get rid of my stereo. Uh, this is the 70s. that was components. It was the amplifier, the tuner, the Bose speakers, the cassette deck. Remember? remember? Yeah. And it was, it was pretty precious to me. And I don't know why, but God just, just impressed upon me, sell it. So I put a for sale sign on the bulletin board. I described all the, the components. I was willing to give it up. And it never sold. And finally, I was like, okay, God was saying to me, the, the way I saw it was, okay, you're willing to give it up, but you can keep it. Oh, cool, okay. And there were others along the way, but one of the biggest give-ups in my life, in our life, was leaving Alaska. After we'd been pastoring and ministering there for many years, God revealed to me in, in, a, in, in some really neat ways that Alaska had become an idol in my life. The lifestyle, the mystique, the, the culture, all of that, it was just an idol. It was crowding out my identity as an elect exile. I was identifying more as an Alaskan than I was a child of the king. And I needed to give that up. And one of the hardest days of my life was, was the day we announced we were leaving Alaska. And then our kids. Alaska, Alaska was hard. Well, well, We gave our kids to Jesus before they were born. We gave them a big view of God's world. And man, they took it to an extreme, my son's in Australia, I'm a rat. Um, <laughs> but we gave them up. We were willing to give them up. When he went off on his first world backpacking trip, as Dawn hugged him, she said, son, if God calls you to die for him, die well. Yeah, we were sure he was gonna die. He was such a, anyway. Um. <laughs> But we gave them up for the sake of Jesus. And we have missed them deeply for years. And and it it appears now in this transition that we're gonna be close to half of them in Wisconsin. The the twin grandsons and my son are still in Australia. They haven't seen the light yet, but we're working on them. (laughs) Following Jesus means giving up things of this world. It's hard, it's a sacrifice. It's painful. I mean, I wasn't planning. Well, yeah, I was planning on crying. I just didn't know where. (laughs) Uh. It's been painful for us. It's been painful for you when you've had to give up things. But, oh, my word, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I would rather have my kids 8,000 miles away loving Jesus than right next door and not loving Jesus. Absolutely. (laughs) We can live that way. We could give up things because he is so faithful. He will never fail us. We just sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That was my request. And Billy was gracious. Because that's the second guiding truth that has shaped us and continues to shape us. Is that we can rest on his never-ending faithfulness. Maybe the biggest reality I have learned about God in recent years is how consistent his faithfulness is. Now that sounds redundant, because faithfulness by definition is being consistent. But I had this twisted view. Can you turn my mic off for a second? Okay. And I say that because one time I was preaching and I had a lapel mic and I turned to blow my nose because, you know, I didn't want to, and and I blew right into the microphone. So, (laughs) Um, I had this twisted view that, that, well, yes, God was faithful last week and God was faithful last year, but will he be faithful next week and next year? He was faithful in this situation, but will he be faithful in this situation? And I knew, I knew from scripture, I knew my theology, that yes, he will be, but, but I hadn't experienced it yet. And as I began to experience more of that, yes, he's faithful every time, every time, every time. In fact, 2 Timothy 2.13 even says that if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Wow. God is absolutely, unequivocally, utter to the uttermost, faithful. You can count on him. You can depend on him. That doesn't mean he'll, he'll do what we want him to do all the time, necessarily, but he is faithful. I've shared many stories uh, here and other places about how Hudson Taylor has shaped my spiritual walk, missionary in the 1800s to China. And this is one of the biggest areas. Um, uh, there was a, his grandson wrote a book called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, And I read it as a freshman in Bible college and and his spiritual secret was resting on God's faithfulness. And for 40 years, I've been trying to grasp what that means and what that looks like. It's not trying or working harder, but it's simply resting and trusting. Somebody asked me this morning, well, a lot of you asked me, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing? It's like, I have no idea. But I was resting on His faithfulness because He was faithful last week. He'll be faithful today, and He'll be faithful next week. God has asked us to do a lot of moving in our married lives. Don figured up the other day that we've lived and in, in, uh, we've moved twelve times in our thirty-eight years of marriage. And I said, "Did you get this?" "Oh no, I forgot that." "How about this?" "Oh, I forgot that." So we missed some. So I don't know how many it really is. We left our first church. Uh, after a difficult situation that first church in Alaska we left it not sure where we were going but God was faithful and we ended up pastoring the next church in Kenai, Alaska for 10 years and then we were called to leave Kenai it was part of that process of God having, uh, of revealing to me I needed to leave Alaska and we weren't sure where we were going that time either we took that step of faith, we gave up what he asked us to give up, and he was utterly faithful in showing us the way to our next assignment and our next. Years went by and we, we burned out, we left the pastorate for a time, I lost my identity as a pastor, I, I thought, I'm no longer a pastor, who am I? I literally, in the, in the months after I burned out and left the pastorate, I thought, why, why would I pray? Why would I read my Bible? What's What's the point? And I thought, wow, I have had a twisted view of who I am. And God reminded me, he was faithful and reminded me of my true identity. I'm a child of the king. I'm an elect exile. doesn't matter what I do. And then he brought us to Simi Valley, to Eternity Bible College, and to Cornerstone Church. And he was always, always faithful. And now in the process of, of retiring, of selling our house, of packing up everything we own, of moving it, of looking for a motor home that we can live in for the next few months, there have been so many moving parts. And I, more than once, I would wake up in the middle of the night with this anxiety and this fear that we're not gonna get it done. I literally would wake up and think, okay, what can I put in that one space where the couch is? What can I pack there? Oh, I could put the chairs. Okay, that would, I mean, I, I, The the night after our first pod came, first of all, they dropped it off. I opened it and said, this is is a lot smaller than I was expecting. (laughs) I literally got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and went out and started to pack it. Because I was just, I was anxious. And I knew God was faithful, but I wasn't living like he was faithful. And now here we are. I mean, it's all done. The house recorded to the new owners on Friday, it's no longer ours. All of our stuff is en route to Wisconsin. And we did it by his grace and his strength and with your help. So many of you sitting here have helped us in various ways. It's our church family that came around and helped and encouraged us in so many ways. I knew in my head that he was and will be faithful. But sometimes it was hard to get it to my heart. Sometimes I'm such a self-sufficient, independent cuss that it seems like I always have to help God out and show him a better way. Anybody relate? Am I the only one? Wow, there's just two of us. (laughs) Man, there are a lot of unknowns in the next several months of life for us we can't see very very far down the path but you know what none of us can see very far down the path you all think you have a job to go to tomorrow you may not we know or at least we think we know where we're spending the next seven or eight nights like like Todd referenced earlier but we're truly walking by faith into this new chapter resting on his faithfulness as much as we can and hopefully more resting and trusting in his faithfulness And yes, he is faithful. Yes, he he, he is faithful, even when we're faithless. But he does, God does ask us to live by biblical truths. And one of the rhythms of obedience that keeps us going, continuing in that same direction is Sabbath. And so I might call this a third guiding principle of our lives. Because we will never make make it in the long haul if we don't have these biblical rhythms of rest and of Sabbath. I've, I've begun thinking, and I would call this, by the way, this is the third guiding principle, maybe, of our lives that I want to talk about. I've begun thinking of this next season for us as a kind of Sabbath rhythm. We're still following hard after Jesus. We, we we're, we're still do kingdom work, but we're shifting gears now so that we have the spiritual stamina to keep serving well so we can keep obeying in the right direction. A long obedience in the same direction. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to crash. I want to keep going until I die, and, or God calls me home. And so, you know, I've taught about Sabbath here before. We've talked about it. I think Sabbath is a neglected and misunderstood biblical rhythm. It's twisted. It's distorted. It's been packed with legalism. Uh, people have just thrown it out. I think Satan has twisted it so that the, the neglect of it has robbed the church of a rhythm that, that we need, that God intended for all humanity to have. It's one of the tools I think he's given us, not in a legalistic, burdensome way, but in a wonderful way. And I've been pursuing this idea of, of rest and of Sabbath my whole life. Again, talking about Hudson Taylor, the key, when I was a freshman in Bible college, the key was he would rest on God's faithfulness. It was resting on his faithfulness relaxing in it. I, I, had a, I did my undergrad thesis on Hebrews chapter 4, which talks about entering God's rest. A few years back, we did a week-long emphasis on Sabbath, and I did a lot of teaching and videos. The videos are still in the Cornerstone Archive if you want to go back and find them. Four or five years ago, I started a Ph.D. program writing my dissertation on Sabbath. It's almost done, but we're moving now, so... Um, my, my plan is to finish it after we get resettled on the other side. My school has been incredibly gracious in granting extensions to 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 be able to make this transition. In fact, one of the one of the ministry points that we uh, want to keep pursuing in this next chapter of life is teaching and writing on Sabbath. I'm not sure how what that looks like, but but we'll see. So what we're calling as retirement, I I agree with Todd, I don't like the word, but it it says something, is actually part of a Sabbath rhythm for us in our lives. Sabbath is primarily a weekly rhythm, but God gave Israel not only a weekly Sabbath, but he gave annual celebrations where they would cease their work too. And then every 50 years, they enjoyed what in essence was a year-long Sabbath. Can you imagine taking a year off of work, still getting paid? Sound good? I'm not saying we should do that in our culture, but that's what God did for Israel. So I think that's what that next phase is for us. Not a, not a year or maybe a year, maybe, I don't know. That's not the time frame, but it's an extended time of rest for us as God reveals to us what is next. And so giving up everything for Jesus, resting on his faithfulness, maintaining rhythms of rest will enable us to continue Following Jesus, the long obedience in the same direction and will take us to the finish line so that we can finish well. We can look forward to hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh man, I wanna hear that. I wanna hear my Lord. I wanna hear my Savior. I wanna hear my Father. Look at me and say, well done, Chris. You were faithful to the end all night long and I have no idea why this song was going through my head except probably because of this we haven't listened to it in years Steve Green's song may all who come behind us find us faithful may the power of our devotion light the way may all who come behind us find us faithful we all look to the generations that came before us and were encouraged by those that finished well we look at their lives and say yes that's what I want to do. May those who come behind us, the next generations, we're all going to die. We're going to grow old and we're going to die and there's those coming behind us. May they find us faithful. That means we keep going. We never quit. We never stop. We never give up. We're, we are going to slow down. We're going to serve in a different way, but we're not done until Jesus calls us home. It doesn't matter if we're 80, 90, or 100. I hope we don't hit 100. I don't want to live that long. I really don't. But if we do, we keep obeying in the same direction. We keep pointing people to Jesus. I just have to say, Cornerstone, this has been a fantastic place to invest this last season of our life. I love this church. I love the staff, I love the elders. I have loved, I love Todd, I love serving. I say he's my boss, but we serve together as brothers. Um, if you're looking for a church, don't go anywhere else. This place is amazing. Yeah, there's some transitions and changes going on, but the DNA here is awesome. You have been so gracious to love us well, and we have served here and loved serving here. Um, we, in this process, Don and I have looked at each other and said, are we, are we idiots for leaving? I mean, really, is this... Uh, this is such a great place. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we've, we've, we've experienced a lot of hurt in ministry over the years, but not here. Uh, this has been a healing place. This has been awesome. Well, again, as I enter into this new chapter, I think, cool, <laughs> what do we do now? Well, you might ask, Chris, what are you and Dawn going to do now? Well, this is what we know so far. We were able to sell our house quickly. We were able to buy and somewhat remodel a motor home. If you're in the parking lot, look to your right, and yes, that's our home. Uh, If you walked in and looked to your right, it's sitting right there. That's where we live now. Uh, Our two dogs are in there waiting for us. And by the way, we, named, we always name our trailers and our campers. This one is called Eli. Short for Elijah, because Elijah is our inspiration in promoting Sabbath rest. And so that's Eli out there. Um, when this service is over and we're all done crying, we're literally going to get in that thing and drive north. Um, we're going to make our way slowly to Portland, Oregon, where Dawn's mom and sister and family live. We're going to spend some time with them. Then we're going to point Eli east and go. We, like I said, we kind of know where we're staying the next seven or eight days, but beyond that, we don't know. Um, We'll we'll figure it out. And we'll head for Wisconsin, where our daughter and son-in-law are already living, and we don't know where in Wisconsin yet. They're still navigating that and figuring that out, but we want to be close to them. We will look for a place to buy there that will hopefully include a cottage or a cabin or another living setup that will be a place for weary ministry leaders to come and rest. Um, We started a ministry called Zarephath Ministries 12 years ago. Uh, It was was a ministry to pastor couples. We we leased a lodge up in the San Bernardino Mountains. Um, It was free for those couples to come and just spend time alone with God. And we want to continue doing that in some way in Wisconsin. And I have no doubt that God's got stuff waiting for us on the other side that we don't have a clue about. Who knows? Who knows? We want to keep promoting Sabbath. Uh, Like I said earlier, um, I believe our crazy, busy, culture with increasing levels of stress and anxiety and burnout need to return to a biblical practice of Sabbath. And that fits in well with our ministry of of providing rest with Zarephath. So Cornerstone, love Jesus well. Give up everything. Give up anything he asks you to give up for him because you will gain so much more. He is absolutely, totally, 100% always faithful. Practice biblical rhythms so that we can all continue our obedience in the same direction and have a long obedience in the same direction. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are faithful, that you are completely, totally, utterly always faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for the awesome privilege of serving here. Thank you for transitions and changes and It's there's a sadness, but there's also a willingness or an openness for new adventures and new challenges. So I pray that you would bless this church, bless the leadership, bless the people, bless this family of God in powerful ways. In Jesus' name, amen.